Hebrews chapter 8, while you're turning, uh, after a four and a half month detour, we're finally back in Hebrews. And I was actually sitting there thinking through, I can think through just every week what was preached for the past four and a half months. Well, we look to finish the book of Hebrews in the next three months. So I'm excited about it. And it's funny because I think as God has just been growing my understanding of the good news of Jesus, it's helping me look at this book of Hebrews totally different. And so, anyway, I look forward to seeing where God leads us. So, Hebrews chapter 8, if you would stand up, we're going to read it together. We're going to read Hebrews chapter 8, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6. We're going to be talking about heaven's better high priest and his ministry. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about this new covenant that Jesus brings. It's so beautiful. But this week, we're going to be talking about... His, his ministry that this beautiful Jesus brings. Okay, so Hebrews 8, verses 1 through 6. Let's all read together. 1, 2, ready, go. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, as we go now to your word, will you open our hearts like a flower? Lord, I pray that the sunshine of the gospel would just cause our hearts to soar. I pray that you would lead us to true belief and true repentance. I pray that the end result of this is that we would look to Christ, we would treasure Christ, and we would be equipped to go out and share Christ and to do the work of ministry. So we ask for the Holy Spirit's help. Holy Spirit, we love you. We believe in you. Fill me now. Help me teach. But help us to comprehend and, and to understand, Spirit, what you led someone to write. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Maybe seated. I want to begin with the kids today briefly. So, if you are, let's say, between the ages of three and maybe 10 or 12, I want you to come up for a moment. I got something for us. All right, come on. First one's up here, get a piece of candy. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, let me see how many pieces I got. Come on, you can take a seat right here. Um, Right, man. All these amazing kids. 
Then I have to get to you were first. Then I saw one of the girls. Savannah, it might have been you. You were making your way. Now, y'all know I'm giving all my mints away. I like to talk to people throughout the morning, and I don't want to, like, hurt them because of my breath, so I carry mints. Now, this is the only time I'm giving my mints away, all right? So don't get any ideas. <laughs> all right, so I have... While we go about our morning in the next few minutes, I have a couple questions for you, okay? I would like for you to find the answers to these two questions while I'm preaching, all right? So there are two questions. Let me read it to you. Number one, where is Jesus, all right? And number two, what is Jesus doing? So this morning, I'm going to be talking about those two things. But while I'm talking about these two things, just try not to listen to me because I'm going to give the answers away, okay? But what I'd like for you to do is when you go back to your seat, I want you to find the answers to these two questions, all right? What are the two questions? Where is Jesus? And the second question is? All right, so that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Where is Jesus and what is he doing? Okay, y'all got it? All right, make sure you don't listen to me, all right? Y'all figure it out without listening to me because I don't want to give you the answers, all right? Okay, you can go back to your seats. And next time, I'm going to ask Pastor Jade and Pastor Carl to have a kind of a candy uh, bucket for us. <laughs> Maybe we do need to have like a candy person uh, where we can pass out candy. I love candy. Um, well, if I had to give you my sermon in one sentence today, it's going to be this. It said, Jesus is our better high priest ministering for us in heaven. If there's anything that I want you to take away today, it's this, that Jesus, your Jesus, my Jesus, is our better high priest ministering for us in heaven. You want to know what Jesus is doing right now? I can't give you the answer. You want to know where Jesus is right now? I can't give you the answer. But if you read these words, you might find them out. Jesus is our better high priest ministering for us right now in heaven. And so in this sermon, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just tell you three things about heaven's better high priest. And that looks a little jumbled. But here are the three things, all right, that I'm going to talk about. Number one is that we have a better high priest. Number two is that our high priest is seated in power at the right hand of God in heaven. And then number three, our high priest is ministering for us in the true tabernacle, all right? So those are the three things. Those are my three points. These are the three truths that I'm going to talk about. But before I do, let me give you a little, little context. It's been a while since we've been in the book of Hebrews. So let me just kind of remind us of what's going on. The writer basically today is saying that we have an eternal high priest who is better than the earthly priest that he was just talking about. The writer spent a few different chapters just kind of 
spelling out what the what the earthly priest did, and all for the for the purpose of just pointing us to that hey, this was important. High priests are important, but Jesus is better than earthly high priests. And the earthly high priests that he talks about were really just shadows. They were shadows pointing to someone that would come. Uh, last night, as I was kind of reading in bed, it was kind of interesting as I was thinking about this concept of a shadow. Um, Andrea likes to go to bed, and so she turns off the light. And often, most nights, I'll grab my phone and I'll turn on the light. Well, last night, as I, as I turned my, my light on my phone and I was trying to read, I noticed that, and I've never done this before, but I was holding it with my left hand, and I was holding my book with my right hand, and I moved my hand, and I noticed that there was the shadow of my hand on the wall. And so I just started, like, making, like, little animals and playing around. You guys ever, ever do that? Well, when you read the Old Testament... And you see important figures and types, what they are, they are shadows that point to something. And kind of what the, the writer is getting at today is the earthly priest, the earthly high priest, was just a shadow pointing to a better reality that was to come. And that better reality was Jesus. Now, when the writer was writing this, the people of God... Christians were suffering for persecution. Now, these Christians that were suffering persecution, they were people that left Judaism to, to follow Jesus. And when they did, as you guys know, anybody that leaves a religion to follow Jesus often faces rejection. They face shame. Uh, they face you know, with these brothers and sisters, they faced, like, literal persecution. Um, they had things conf confiscated from them. Like, they were experiencing the worst things that you could experience um, if you were to leave your religion. And so with Judaism, that's what was going on. They were experiencing all, all these different things. Well, as you know, that Judaism is steeped in tradition... And so the way the, the writer goes about kind of persuading these Jewish believers is by contrasting some of the things they valued, like the high priest, for example. They, they, they valued him. They, they knew he was important. Um, they valued things like angels. They valued things like prophets. And so what the writer did is he took things that they valued, that they found important, and he compared them to Jesus and in comparing him to Jesus, he was wanting to show them that, hey, Jesus is better. And because Jesus is better, he is worthy for you to continue on. I'll say today, if maybe you're struggling to follow Jesus today, maybe you're a Christian here today. Listen, the good news is that Jesus is better. I mean, think about some of the things that we've come out of personally. The things, some of the things, you know, we, we sang a song, I lay them all down again. We sang a, that song. The things that we laid down to follow Jesus are not better than Jesus. And so the writer is basically saying here, listen, angels, prophets, high priests, the, new, the old covenant, you name it, is not better than Jesus. And so at the end of the day, he's saying, don't shrink back. Keep following Jesus. 
Because Jesus is greater. Jesus is better than anything. Well, let's look now at the three things about heaven's better high priest and his ministry. Three things I want us to see. Number one is that we have as Christians, not just these believers that the, that the, the writer was writing to, we, us this morning, have a better high priest. Read with me verse one. It says, now the point in what we are saying in this is this. We have such a high priest. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest. The author basically is summarizing a lot of what he's been saying through chapter seven when he says, the point we are saying is this. I, I kind of love it when people kind of get to the point. And that's what he does. He just, in summary, he takes these first six verses of chapter 8, and he summarizes by saying, the point is, is that we have such a high priest. Jesus is superior than any other earthly high priest. Jesus is a fixed and permanent fixture in the heavenly tabernacle. He's not like the earthly high priest that he just talked about, who one after the other had to be from the tribe of Levi, and they had to keep coming because they died. They had to be replaced. You know, every so many years, they had to be replaced because they died. Jesus' priesthood is better in that it was made by an oath from God in Psalm 110 that he would be a priest now forever. There'd be no replacing Jesus. There was a time coming when a high priest would come who would be there forever and be there for his people. Now, as you guys know, the high priest was the most important religious figure in the nation of Israel. And why was he so important? He was so important because he represented the people. And, and more importantly, he represented the people before God. His role was special. He he ministered to the people by doing a few different things. He prayed for them. He offered incense to God. But he also and primarily he offered sacrifices in a unique place called the Holy of Holies once a year that held off God's wrath and judgment on the people. He, he played a unique role. He did something special. He held off God's wrath, but he also prayed and interceded for the people. And now I say to us, how is that relevant to us? Well, here's how it's relevant. Not only did the Old Testament believers and the Old Testament and Old Testament Israel have a high priest that they looked to to help them church this morning. You and I have a high priest. This morning, you have a high priest. Let me make it more personal. This morning, I have a high priest, and I don't have a human high priest, and neither do you. We have a heavenly high priest. We have a better high priest. We have someone that has done something so special for us. That, you know what, when we, when we get it over and over and over again, guess what? It takes our breath away. 
what our heavenly high priest did for us, literally, when, when, when we understand it again and again and again, it takes our breath away. What did our heavenly high priest do? Well, earthly high priest, they would, they would sacrifice animals. They would take the blood of those animals and they would walk into the Holy of Holies and they would have to sprinkle blood on an altar for the remission of their sins, but then also for the sins of the people. Well, our heavenly high priest, Jesus, did not have to offer blood for his own sins, but he offered blood for our sins. He offered blood for our sins before our Father so that we could be forgiven once and for all. This morning, listen, if, if I, the gospel is good news. It's good news in the, in the fact that, listen, it tells us that we are forgiven. Church, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. I am forgiven. We have a high priest who, who went into the Holy of Holies and offered himself. And because he did, we are forgiven and we have nothing to hide and we have nothing to fear. And we are no longer outsiders. We are no longer standing on the outside because of our sin. No, we are standing on the inside. And here's what makes it even more beautiful. If you were Jewish, you knew this. There was a curtain that prevented you and prevented everybody but the high priest once a year from going into God's presence. Well, because of our high priest today, church, there is no longer a curtain in front of you. There's no longer a curtain in front of me. We are in God's presence. And at any moment when you say, Father, you are in his presence. You know how... We don't have to offer a sacrifice. Listen, you don't have to do anything to get God's favor today. I remember there was a point in my life I, I had made a terrible decision. And I was so burdened by my decision. And, and I'll tell you what, it really had ramifications. It, it messed some things up. And I think I may have told you the story, but, but it's so profound for me because... My guilt was so strong, and what I did hurt other people. And I remember taking my paycheck, and I went to a gentleman who was kind of discipling me at the time, and I told him his name was Tom. I said, Tom, I just want to be right with God. And so I just brought, I brought my paycheck. I said, can I just give this to God to be right? You ever made that kind of a decision before? Where you wish you could take away something you did and you just felt the guilt, you felt the shame, you wanted to make things right, but you couldn't. Well, Jesus has made things right for us. And I got good news. If you are here this morning and you've done something totally crazy, listen, the good news is that Jesus has forgiven you. The good news is that you have a high priest who has gone into the Holy of Holies and offering, offered himself. So you're forgiven. We can go into God's presence. We, don't, we no longer have to, have to rely on somebody else to get us in God's presence. We can go there ourselves. But we're also children as a result of this high priest. I mean, just think about that. 
What I'm saying, because of Jesus and because he is our high priest, I'm saying that we are forgiven, we can go into God's presence, and we are called his children. That's such good news. You are God's child today. You are God's child not based upon what you do. You are God's child based upon what Jesus has done. So we have a high priest. We have a great high priest. We have a better high priest. And so as God's children, I want to encourage you to remember today that because of Jesus, you're forgiven. You can enter into his presence anytime you want. You're in his presence. Together as his children, we are in his presence. We're called his children. Well, the second thing, second truth about heaven's better high priest and his ministry is that our high priest is seated in power at the right hand of God in heaven. He's seated in power at the right hand of God in heaven. Read with me verse, the rest of verse 1. It says, now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven. You see, Jesus has done something special. He died on the cross for our sins. He was raised victoriously three days later. He spent 40 days with his disciples, and then he ascended to heaven, where right now he is at the right hand of heaven. Now, there are three things I want you to see about this one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven. The first is that Jesus is seated. All right, I just want you to think with me for a moment. Jesus right now is seated. Your Jesus, my Jesus, the Jesus I'm talking about. Why is he seated right now? I mean, I think when I get to heaven, I'm going to be like, what are y'all going to be like? I hope I'm just running and so, I mean, I just envision but right now, at this time in redemptive history, Jesus, as our high priest, is seated. Well, the reason why he is seated is because his work is complete. Have you ever noticed when you read, when you read through the Old Testament that when the priest, especially the high priest, when he was ministering, he never sat down? And why? Why did the priests, when they were ministering in the holy place or in the holy of holies, why did they never sit down? Well, they, they didn't sit down because they had work to do. Well, guess what? Christ's atoning work is finished. Our high priest no longer has an earthly work to do. It's finished. And so rightfully so, he sat down. If, if you, so I just think about assurance for a moment. If you struggle with the assurance of your salvation, let me just point you to something. Your boy Jesus is seated. He's not getting up trying to figure out how he can atone for our sin anymore. How he can, can assure us of our salvation and our forgiveness. Oh my, I just want to go over here 
And I'm in a hurry. I know I'm kind of behind here. You see this big old chair? Envision this is a throne. This is the Father's throne. Jesus is seated at the right hand. Finished. Finished. I want you to be assured of your salvation. So does the Father. He is no longer on earth atoning for our sin. It's done. When the devil reminds you that you're that 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 maybe you're not forgiven. Or maybe you can lose your salvation. Point to where Jesus is and he's seated. I could keep belaboring that, but I don't need to. Well, notice also that not only is Jesus seated, but he's seated where? At the right hand of God. See, the language of being seated at the right hand, it's been used through the book of Hebrews a few different times. Chapter 1, a couple times. We see it here in chapter 8, and then you're going to see it in chapter 10, and then in chapter 12. But it's the language used of someone with authority. Someone who, is, who has power. In the ancient world, what kings would do is they would surround themselves with nobles, with nobility, with persons or people that were prestigious and were powerful. In essence, what kings did is they surrounded themselves with a royal court. And the person to their right was the most powerful person. And so where is Jesus? He's seated. And who is he seated beside? God the Father. And so what does that make him? I love what he says in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. And he's at the right hand. So let's just think a little. Let's just, let's just, just massage this out. If our heavenly high priest is seated at the right hand, not only are we forgiven, but think about his power on your behalf and my behalf. You ever doubt how powerful God is? There is no one more powerful than Jesus. All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. This is your Jesus. This is my Jesus. This is good news. This makes me just, I want to soar. He's at the right hand. In essence, Christ being at the right hand and us seeing this high priest, it's showing that he is So an application question is, what is our view of Jesus being at the right hand? He's exalted. He's exalted. Lastly, he's seated not only at the right hand in heaven. Jesus is in heaven. He's in heaven itself. There is a real place called heaven. And it's a unique place that... Only he can be because of who he is. And know that the Old Testament priesthood and the tabernacle pointed to this reality of heaven. Jesus came and, and, and fulfilled his ministry on earth. And then God the Father took him to heaven. And if you're in here today, and I, I just want to say, listen, heaven is real 
And it's appointed uh, for all of us once to die and then face the judgment. Will you go to heaven? Will you go be where this Jesus is who's at the right hand of the Father? If you don't know Jesus, I just, I, I want to introduce him to you. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, today I want to, I want to, I want to say to you, in light of him being exalted, in, in light of his authority, in light of him finishing your work, or the work for your redemption, will you surrender your life to him? Heaven is a real place, and this is where Jesus is right now. And church, here's the good news, is when you and I die, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Revelation 21 and 22, there's a new Jerusalem coming out of the sky, a new heavens and a new earth. We will be there. And until then, Jesus is there. Well, the last thing about heaven's better high priest and his ministry is that he is ministering for us in the true tabernacle. He's ministering for us in the true tabernacle. Look at these verses. This is powerful. Verse 2 says, a minister in the holy place, referring to Jesus, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. Verse 6, but as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old. Jesus has a ministry. Not only did Jesus minister on earth for us so we can be forgiven, but he's in heaven right now and he's still ministering. But let me tell you how he's ministering. He's at the right hand of the Father interceding for me and you. Right now, right now, Jesus is praying for you and I. It doesn't get much better than this. Right now, it, it, it may not feel like it, it may not look like it, but this is a reality. Even as I'm talking, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the greater high priest, is interceding for us. And that's what he's doing right now. He's not just sitting on, he's not just, he's not just kicking it. With some Oreos. You know, he's not just doing this. No, he's, he's interceding to the Father for you and I. Man, talk about wanting your heart to soar. Listen, Jesus is praying for you and I. Such good news. And so let me sum it up again. Jesus is our better high priest ministering for us in heaven. Let us pray. Lord, show us Jesus, Father. Holy Spirit, thank you for you being the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, you illumining our minds to show us Jesus. Jesus, you are the greater high priest. Jesus, where are you? You're in heaven. What are you doing? You're interceding for your children, for the children of the Father, for your people. Thank you, Jesus, for being a better and faithful high priest. We trust you and we love you. And everyone said...